I'm Kevin. And I'm Kevin. I'm also a Seth. And this is the Dark, Dark Windows, Windows Podcast. So just a disclaimer, we are going to talk about some things that people might not be super comfortable with. We're going to use some language, a language that people are not going to be super comfortable with. That's adult language. So, Expletives. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Or not. That's cool, too. So what's going on, folks? Howdy, Internet. How's everybody doing on this beautiful day? At least I hope it's beautiful for you. It is for me. Hello, my name's Kevin, and I'm an out. I'm at the wrong meeting. <laughs> no, you are at the right meeting. We'll just talk about other stuff too. Yeah. No, please continue. I got my chip. Your ch- what? My twelve week chip. So, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm I, so- I, dude, I started drinking again, and they gave me fucking chips for it. It's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Did they give you the salt and vinegar kind? All dressed. Good stuff. <sighs> I don't know what that means, dude. You've never had all dressed. They're the best. All right, what around these, what are these all dressed they're like, I'm giving the shady eyes they're I'm like, like I'm watching a barbecue chip okay with salt and vinegar okay and like other shit with it it's like so it's like the, Kansas City style barbecue sauce or better, whatever it is better no north of the border Canadian yeah like, oh, yeah, oh. Dude, the spicy Canucks came up with it and thank <laughs> god for that yes dude I started listening to a podcast that's all about Canada true crime Sweet. really yeah it's actually Pretty fascinating. Dude, there's one up there I want to Dark cover. Dark Poutine. Uh, That's the name. That is not me making it up. That is legit them. Son of a bitch. I was going to use that for when we do Canadian episodes. We can still do it. I'll Damn talk it. to them. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Good. Yeah. Anyway. How so, are you gentlemen doing? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. I had a great day at the beach with the family. Everybody <laughs> the, swam. I put beach. my feet in the water. We, we, we're, we're in Vermont, so the beach is actually like at a lake, which is still nice. Technically, there's a beach. Stuff. Yeah. Question. Yo. Since I'm still looking for headphones because I have not ordered mine. Yeah, because you still suck. Do you want to know where to find some? Yeah. Where can I get some? And let's also tell everybody else where they can get some sweet headphones. You can you can find them. You can find a pair at studio.com. They do have a kind like what we have. We have the Regent. We have the Regent. Cool name. They're badass. They can get them in black or white. They make replacement caps for the outside. Uh, the only ones I've seen so far are like black and white marble, which are still pretty cool. And mine got discontinued 10 years ago. Yeah. Is that company even still around? Yeah, they're still around. They okay. do earbuds more in the little Bluetoothy thing. They don't do these kinds anymore. Yeah. But when you go on and buy some, mm-hmm. you put in dark windows at checkout, mm-hmm. 15% off just for you. For me personally? Not for anybody else listening. Just for you. Just for me? Yep. Yes! No, I no. everybody else gets it too. Yeah. Wait, yeah. What? what? No. No. no we we what? can't give them just to... Just our, to me? Yeah, we can't give them to our poster wall there. <laughs> you I, had I mean, to do it. <laughs> I thought we had a meeting last week. We weren't going to do this anymore. We talked. Things got a little serious and I'm very uncomfortable. Wait a minute. There was tears. There were tears. There was ice cream involved. I wasn't. No, I didn't go to this meeting. Wait, so I was by myself. Oh, yeah, I was by myself. (laughs) I was with my friends. Oh, 
I'm sorry. So hey, well at least the ice cream was good. But so, uh, I'm, I'm I'm in the market for a, a holder of hobby painting things. Where do I find one of those? <laughs> Transition. My segue wasn't as good as yours. Transition was a little rough on that hey, hey, one. Hey, hey, I tried. I did my best. I done to my best. You, you did goods. He done did it. You done done. You done done stuff. Nah, not really. But yeah. where, 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 uh, but where can I find one though that what? holds my my hot little hobby toys? Are you trying to record this? <laughs> no, no, I was on. Okay, side. good because I have it in my bag. I'm not. I'm not taking it out for once in my life. I have it here, but I'm not taking it out of the bag. No, I actually just found a really funny like Bigfoot picture. It says when your photo is blurry, but your conscience is clear. Jesus. <laughs> so, continue. Right. So, to get back to your question, sir, Yeesh. you can go over to Game Envy Creations, which they changed site, it. Nope, that is their full name. Their site is GameMV.net. I realize I better say the full name and um, all that stuff so, okay. because if you just go to GameMV.net, you can actually go there and you can see a multitude of cool little hobby holders. Now, the difference between their hobby holder and everyone else's, it's all made in-house. There's a multitude of different colors. It's ergonomic to your hand. All right. Um, it comes in, a, like I said, a multitude of different colors. Um, it's ergonomic to your hand. And the best thing about it is... The base and the handle actually will can separate, so that means that if you want to just hang on to the base, and then you're like, oh, this is really cool, and the handle, you'll look at it, you're like, wait, you can actually flip everything around, so the handle is now 180 degrees, and you can hold it like you would like a mug for like, you know, coffee or whatever, rather than holding the, the way that's on the picture on the actual site. That is awesome. Now, recently... I have found that I'm actually going to be ordering pretty soon is that there's these things called the base mod base mod hooks into the bottom of the little base. And now you have something that will fit my orangutan feet hands. Oh, now they're hands. No, they're orangutan feet hands. I hate you people. Sometimes. <laughs> you know what? Kevin H is cool. Kevin C that's you. Yeah. Go to hell. So anyway, so wait, if you, when you go there, you find out what you like, you can use the promo code Broadstone. Should I spell it? Yeah, you should. Like that crazy way? Or should I just do it normal? B- I don't oh, think you... Oh, hey, you oh, shut up. D- you shut up, you. I don't think you can do it I was actually doing it with him. I don't think you can do it normal. Okay, hold on. I got to not smile doing this. Serious. Getting in the scene. Bringing it in. Bringing it in. It is B-R-O-A. <laughs> no, you fucking failed. You failed. You failed. No, you're... you're, you're hey, stuck guess what, it. everybody? Whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> One let, more time. Let me give you some inspiration. VPR it. Hello, folks. And that promo code know. again. That promo code is going to be Broadstone. That is B-R-O-A-D-S-T-O-N-E. And if you use that promo code at checkout, you will save yourself $2 off each hobby holder. And that here's Steely Dan. Kevin, it, that means if Kevin... <laughs> I was getting to that point. Yeah, and that I was, was about good. To say, that was really good. I love if it. Kevin H. would like a hobby holder and Kevin C. would like a hobby holder and use the, the same order... You use that promo code, save you $2 off each hobby nice. holder. Hey, guess what? What? I got something really special to tell you guys. Tell me. Can I jump in somewhere real quick? No. I just, you shut up, you. I just wanted to say a quick thank you to uh, Shannon Legro at uh, Into the Fray for having me on her show this most uh, recent week. Dude, I can't wait to hear this. It's going to oh, be my good. God. It was, she's so cool to talk to because like. It, like as cool as us or better. <sighs> be honest. It's cool. She's better. Yeah, she's she been a, she's been doing it longer than us. She has, well, she has an amazing voice. Yeah, 
and like we started off just talking back and forth about like what kind of equipment we use and we get into the interview and then we start talking about netflix shit at the end of it um but again thank you to shannon legro at into the fray um Shannon, you're amazing. The, you're a beautiful person. The episode that I was on was number 146. Uh, she titled it The Beast of Chittenden. Um, I would urge everybody to wait, go wait, give it a listen. Wait, is that you? She called you The Beast of Chittenden? No, that crazy That's fucking your dog name. thing. That's your wrestling <laughs> Um And also, uh, Ben at WP Fantasy Football. I was on his show, too. Oh, Benny. And if you go, you go listen to that one, you can hear my stunning lack of knowledge in fantasy football. But we had fun doing it. Yeah, but you're amazing at the spurts. It was stunning. Yeah, my, my lack of... Just keep going. Just keep going. Keep going. Okay. Well, I'm doing that's a all thing. I, that's all I had to say. I'm doing a thing. So what we paused for is Mr. Kevin H. is now taking some time and he's doing some crazy He, t- he took his headphones off and we both just gave him like icy which, hot death glare for which it. Which means <laughs> when he does that... Someone's going to get wrecked. And we don't want to get wrecked, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, anyway, you ready for some cool stuff? I I hope so. Me too, because it is hot outside. Let's do some things. Let's you want to do some things? Let's do some things. Stuff, stuff. and things and things so, and stuff. So, on a serious note, you guys have been killing it with each episode and oh doing really well and you know doing this amazing amount of research. I decided, you know what would be fun? I'm going to throw myself into the... the into, into the, the wolves? I was going to say the burning ring of fire of research. He See, the, the best way to clear that up is penicillin. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah it helps. I thought it was a fun little... Um, bleach. Uh, little... Bleach will do it, too. It just burns hmm. a lot. Hmm. So, I decided I was going to pick a topic... And surprise you, you guys had a topic for today, and like normal, I'm going to take over the show. (laughs) And you can't edit me out because this is my episode. No, I won't edit you out. Why would I do that? uh, Because it's funny. But uh, so yeah, I actually came up with a topic, did some research, and I was wondering if you guys are cool with it, if we could do my episode. Fuck. Yes. Do you want to know what I'm doing? I guess so. I picked... Death House Landlady, a.k.a. Dorothea Puente. We got to find a really badass nickname for her, though. No, that's what it is. Her her no, actual that's, that's... name was Death House Landlady. Yeah. Like, no joke. And if you saw this woman, you'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, because she looks like the most unassuming, regular down-to-earth little grandma. What about the gruesome grandma? I don't know who that is. But <laughs> no. We're not talking about her. We're talking about Dorothea Puente. Okay, fine. Okay. All right. Okay. So, Dorothea Puente was born in born on January 9th, 1929 and died March 27th, 2011. Holy crap. Yeah, she was an old bird, man. She hung Oof. off. Now, the reason why I picked her was because she was a convicted serial killer in the 1980s and her up into the 90s. And her total body count reached nine confirmed murders Oof. and six unconfirmed. So we're looking at uh, 25 potential murders for an old lady. That's actually 15. Nine plus six Oh, yeah, is I'm retarded. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Your math is horrible, bro. Uh, it's okay. Public school, Otter Valley. That is true. 
So I have to give a quick little backstory before I get into her backstory. How why I picked her was I was working on a Bale Predator, which you're into the 40K. Got it in. Drink. Um, I was watching Ghost Adventures, and this episode popped up. Jenkins. That comes later, bro. Oh, sorry. Um, And this episode came on, and they're talking about her and these travesties and all these evil deeds she did. And as I go through, I'll hit on those key points. But I was like, how is a woman that is like a grandmother? I uh, Not a grandmother, but she looks like a grandmother. She looks unassuming. Like she looks very frail, very weak. How could she do this kind of stuff? did some research and then i went like you guys down the rabbit hole and a couple days later i popped out for a breather went right back (laughs) in and kept digging so i just wanted to give that quick little backstory that was kind of funny i was completely distracted by building something and having a show playing in the background as most of us do and this popped up and i literally stopped everything i did and just sat there for an hour and watched this and then had to research it so dorothea puente was born Dorothea Helen Gray on January 9th, as I stated, 1929 in Redlands, California, to a Trudy May Yates and a Jesse James Gray. That is... Kind of a cool name, right? That goes beyond a cool name. That's like... Somebody should write a book with a main character like that. That'd be badass, man. So in 1937, when she was only eight years old, sadly, her father died due to tuberculosis. Longer. Yeah, and then what year? What year was what, what year was she born? Nineteen thirty. Oh, uh, she was born in nineteen twenty nine. Okay, and then when she was eight years old in nineteen thirty seven, her father died due to ber- tuberculosis. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It was the, the next go round of TB. Yeah, yeah. It was. He literally got nailed, and it was a fast decline. Like they said that he literally contracted and went down. Then wow. It got even worse for her. Um, a year later, her mother was killed in a car accident. Oof. Ouch. So, so she had a rough go right from right from, right from the, the jump. Yeah, nine years old, and both of her parents are dead. No guardians, no one to watch over her. So she was sent to an orphanage. Yeah, uh. yeah. Um, it was hard to find any information on what happened in the orphanage. Don't know really what she went to, but during that time frame, a lot of times kids were seen as disposable, as we talked yeah. about in previous episodes. Um, there was rumors that she went through some abuse because of the time. That's what kids pretty much were there for labor and they were just seen as throwaways and it was really depressing. Well, yeah, which was, I mean, she was in there during the depression. Yeah. And that, and hard labor, um, there was, like I said, it was very hard to find information about that when she was younger. Um, in 1945, uh, a 16-year-old Gray was married to a soldier who just returned from the Pacific Theater from World War during World War II, named Fred McFall. Now, these two had two daughters uh, between 1946 and 1948. So she was she was 17 when she had her first kid, pretty much. Yeah, a young kid had yeah. really no un- true understanding of like family structure or anything like that because her parents died. Now she's in an orphanage. We, yeah, yeah, we know. Then you way. go from that to essentially being married and having kids like right to someone who's pretty much a man like a grown adult man that's been through all the rigors of war so this is where her uh her 
unusualness to family kind of went south on her. She sent one to live with relatives in Sacramento and then gave the other one up for adoption. Yeah. And then it gets Hmm. even crazier for her. Later in 1948, she became pregnant again and she suffered a miscarriage. Mm. Now... In 1948, McFall, finding out all this information, finding out everything was going on, he's like, no, I'm done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. He divorced her. So where, where was he when she gave up the other two kids? It didn't really say. The only thing I could think of was either he was gone for military purposes or for work. It never actually specified where he was. What years did you, what year did she give him up? Um, it, like right around 1948. I almost wonder if, if he was still in the army because maybe he was stationed somewhere else. And then after yeah. that, maybe he, he might have ended up going to Korea, too, if he was still young and after World War Two. Yeah, because they said when he came back, he realized that she gave up both of their kids and got pregnant from another man and had a miscarriage Oof. that during this time he was like, nope, I, I don't want any part of this. Yeah. He, and he moved on. I don't think you can blame the guy for that. Yeah, no. So sometime later, Gray was sentenced to a year in jail for forging checks. However, she luckily she paroled out after six months. Um, soon afterwards, she became pregnant with a man she barely knew and gave birth to a daughter whom she gave up for adoption again. Jesus. Yeah, she wanted nothing to do with kids. And it was like if she got a kid or had a kid, she wanted away from her. I have to give her credit for that because she did not want children. She didn't want to take care of children. So almost like she knew she was unfit for him. Right. So she was like, let him go live with somebody else. But it was like, still, you could have created the family that you always wanted. Right. But that might be why she didn't, because she didn't know how to, for the most part, you know? Or maybe she didn't want to have something happen to her and have her daughter or son have to grow up like she did. Yeah, that's that's another good 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 point, point. man. Very good point. So in 1950... Astute, I'd say. That is. It is a very astute comment. Uh, in 1952, she married a man named Axel Johannesson. What? Yeah. And Did this it, motherfucker come with a long ship and a shield wall? Or Pretty much. Nice. Uh, however, however, <laughs> from the beginning of their marriage to the end, 14 years later, it was nothing but turbulence, fighting, and just arguments nonstop. She had more, during this time being married to him, she had multiple run-ins with the law, just different things, whether it be outburst with him drinking causing more just chaos so she wasn't slowing down um in the 1960s she was arrested for owning and managing a brothel and was sentenced to 90 days in the sacramento county jail that's it yeah damn well they probably like well we can't really do much you're in here for nothing just get out don't do this anymore and then shortly after her release she was arrested again and this time for vagrancy and sentenced for another 90 days in jail. So she was arrested for being homeless, essentially. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Well, she was technically still married to Johannesson. Oh, okay. But she didn't want to be there because they were constantly fighting and constantly arguing. And again, it's hard to find things on her husband's. Mm-hmm. You can find more about her, but they kind of let it go by the wayside. Uh, following that, she found work as a nurse's aide, caring for disabled and elderly people in private homes. So if you have a private home, she'll come in and help take care of you. Um, short time, she started to manage boarding houses because it was an easy transition. Right. I'm taking care of people in your house. 
when I have like work for a boarding house, I can bring people in and just keep everybody in under one central unit. That's what I was thinking is that you can, you can cross the streams there and turn two businesses into one. Exactly. Um, Hmm. then she finally decided to divorce Johannesson in 1966 and with minimal amount of time, she got married to Roberto Puente, a man 19 years younger, her younger than her in Mexico city. The marriage only lasted two years and I can't, again, it's a shocker. (laughs) Yeah. It's again, can't find anything about like her husband's, how, what happened with the marriages. I think mainly because of what her crimes were. People focused only on that. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, shortly after the marriage ended, Dorothea Puente took over a three story, uh, 16 bedroom care home in Sacramento, California. And this is pretty much where her main base of operations is located. This is where everything started to happen. Uh, she got, so, so this was like the, this would be the equivalent equivalent of her, uh, like H H Holmes, like murder house. Yeah. This actually is pretty much where she did both her good and bad deeds in this house. More bad than definitely yeah. more bad. I, I would imagine. I, I Like we said, folks, Kevin and I went into this yeah. completely fucking blind. Like, Yeah, you guys don't know anything. This is, for me, like I wanted you guys to experience what it's like being on the other side. And I wanted to be on the other side and be like, I want to tell you guys something that has literally been stuck in my head. And when we get to the end, I kind of want to have a clear line of discussion of where we can talk about the particulars of certain parts Absolutely. of this case. Definitely. So while she took over the three-story, 16-bedroom care home, she got married again for the fourth time in 1976 to a Pedro Montavallo. And this gentleman was a massive alcoholic, very violent, and he was probably the worst human being for her. Like, Johannesson was a very turbulent one, but there were some downtimes. From what I found, this gentleman wasn't like he he was always on go time when it came to alcohol and his violence. Uh. This marriage only lasted a few months and then she again moved on, got a divorce. Surprise, surprise. All right. <laughs> yeah. And well, as a kind of way to kind of cut the stress and to decompress, she started spending a lot of time in the local bars looking for older men with benefits. Because it was harder for her to find a job and run the care home. So she was like, oh, well, maybe I can see what I can work my magic with. Yeah, because at this point in time, she was, what, in her f- late 30s, early 40s in this yeah. that neighborhood in, in yep. there? Okay. Born 1929, 76. So, yeah, she's she's looking for, like, uh, sugar daddies. Sugar daddy, yeah. Yeah. The Old male, she's almost, male version of cougars. So she's almost 50. She's, yeah. you know, so she's still years. young. She's still got a lot of life. And she's like, you know what? Every time I'm trying to get married, every time I try to get in a relationship, something goes south. Something happens. And she's like, you know what? It's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down this road and see what happens. And Puente would then find individuals, befriend them. And in a short amount of time, once she gained their trust... She would start forging their signatures and stealing their pension money. She was caught and charged with 34 counts of treasury fraud, which she only received probation. Yeah. 
34 counts. But I mean, if you think about it, it's it's not a violent crime, so probation kind of makes sense, but still, you should have done a little bit of time in jail, maybe? Yeah. Well, because now you, you start seeing the progression of how she's operating, and yeah. she spent a little bit of time, a little more time, 90 days, 90 days, and then a couple drunk tank visits, a couple more short stints. You should start seeing there is a pattern here that Definitely. she's a habitual offender. She should stay in there longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with her running the boarding house, her reputation obviously started becoming mixed. Some tenants complained that she would refuse to give them their mail and also steal their pension money, as we stated before, where other tenants would be like, nope, she's the most kindest, nicest woman ever, always giving us home cooked meals, helping us out with our laundry. And they never, there was no information on whether, how she picked her, her clients that she liked and clients she didn't like. She literally just, whatever happened. Hmm. She had to have had some kind of like targeting system, I think. Yeah, I think what it was, she never really specified because I'll do a quick skip. She always felt that she never murdered any of them. They all died of natural causes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Quote which, unquote. Yeah. So for her, she's like, oh, they were my friends. They were my tenants. I never did any of that. And they're like, well, we have you on record stealing money. And she's Mm. like, no, I never did that. They gave that to me. (laughs) Which when we get a little bit farther on you, it's it's amazing. So the the murders began shortly after Pointe started renting out all the variety, all the different spaces in that 16 room home. April 1982, her friend and business partner partner. Ruth Monroe began living with Puente in her upstairs apartment. However, she soon died due to an overdose of codeine and acetaminophen. Puente, during the investigation, police told... By the way, acetosomophen. No, acetaminophen. 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 Yep. Shortly when the police started investigating... Puente told them that the woman was very depressed due to her husband being terminally ill. And she decided that, you know, I had to take, she wanted to take her own life. Strangely enough, the police stopped the investigation. Like, yep, that makes total sense. And they ruled it. And as a suicide, because they did very little investigation, but they're like, okay, her husband is in the hospital. He's terminally ill. She, if he dies, what she has left, what does she have left? Right. She's got such a like a, a silver tongue. Oh, dude, she like knows how to spin things and like how to alter it and kind of play the word game very well. It's fascinating to hear her talk. But the the other thing to remember is when the police investigate something as a suicide, the two things that she used were two things that this woman had easy access to. That uh, true, um, but. When you when you rule something a suicide, there's way less paperwork and time that goes into it because you just go, okay, well, here's our suspect. Here's our victim. Same person. Done. Yeah. And using two substances that she had easy access right. to, her, like we said, her husband was terminally ill. Depression hits for anybody during that. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks later, uh, the police were back again um, after a 74-year-old gentleman named Malcolm McKenzie accused Puente of drugging and stealing from him. Pretty much, she would, he, what he stated was that he drugged her, or no, she drugged him. Wow, that would have been bad. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so 
he stated that she drugged him while he was in a pretty much comatose state. She would steal his any kind of loose cash he had on him, anything of value, and pretty much if she found the pension check, she would sign it, take the money. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. So police were huh. investigating it, and then at the age of 53, she was convicted of three charges of theft in, on August 18th. Uh, 1982. That's my birthday. Yeah. She was sentenced to five years in jail. So she would have actually gotten out. If 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 she'd gotten out the same day, she would have gotten out on my birthday. Yeah. It, it was kind of interesting that they actually were like, yep, okay. Now here's the thing. So she was sentenced to five years in jail. While she was in there, she started corresponding with a 77-year-old retiree living in Oregon. Jackpot. A little bit of a pen pal action over here. That's what she was looking for right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. This gentleman's name is Everson Gilmouth. The friendship developed when Puente was released in 1985 after serving just three years. Here's the thing that was kind of like it was a little love story-esque to me. That when she was released, he was standing outside Standing in front of his red pickup truck, his red Ford pickup, did just he have, waiting for. Did he have a boombox like blasting Pete, uh, Peter Gabriel? Because that'd been fucking awesome. No, <sighs> silly. Oh, I don't think there was boomboxes back then. Shit. Maybe there was. It was the eighties. So think, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. They had, oh, get, wait, they that, had ghetto, ba- uh, the ghetto blasters blaster. back in the eighties. I'm. T- I did research on this. I didn't do research <laughs> on a stereo system, bruh. So whatever. Their relationship developed very quickly, and the couple started making wedding plans. Aww. I know, right? They decided, you know, we're doing really well. Let's open a joint bank account. Oh, that's a bad idea. He uh, he moved in, and, you know, to keep it on the books, started paying $600 a month for rent to rent the upstairs apartment again, <laughs> where Monroe was living. Here's where it gets interesting. In uh, 19... 19- 85, November 1985, Puente hired a handyman, Ismael Flores, to install some wood paneling in her in the apartment. She asked Flores to build a box that was six feet by three feet by two feet to store, quote, books and other items. That sounds like, quote, unquote, a coffin. <laughs> right? It's an oddly shaped box. <coughs> yeah, it's going to be a... sorely mistaken, you know, sir. That six was... foot by three foot you know maybe you build it on like a, you know you kind of taper it a little bit as it goes down you know carve a cross in the front of it put some hinges on there we need hinges yeah so then shortly after she asked uh flores if he would be willing to help her transport the box that was filled with the quote-unquote books and other items <laughs> after she nailed the box shut and was ready to send it to the storage depot he agreed and was like, absolutely, I'll help you out. Because, you know, she was a nice, you know, what he assumed, little old lady. Why not help her out? And Puente was like, you know what? While you're going, I'm going to go with you. So that way I can tell you where to go. However, while they're on the way, she told him to stop abruptly while they were on the Garden Highway in South Sutter County and dump the box on a riverbank. What the fuck? Yeah, this lady was crazy. She was like, all right, we're literally going down the road. Like, stop right here. We have. We're gonna dump it right here because you know what? It's a. You were gonna say something? I see something. Lady, what are we stopping for? There's a river here. No, no, no. This is my storage area. Just, just throw it. Well, and here's the thing. She's like, we're gonna stop and dump it right here on the riverbank. And 
he had the look apparently that was like why and she's like well quote it's an unofficial uh household dumping site end quote <laughs> this guy believed it oh, he took it hook line and sinker and puente told him that the box were the box was full of just junk no worries we'll leave it here somebody will come and get it you know it's no big deal listen there's definitely not a quote unquote dead body in here it's just stuff. Well, he was getting a little skeptical, so she's like decided that, you know what? How about this? Since you're helping me out, I will pay you an extra $800 and I will give you this I'll give you a Ford pickup, a red Ford pickup. Deal. He <laughs> was like, "Absolutely." No questions were asked, and when they I later asked like interviewed her, they're like, "Well, what did you say to him? She's like, oh, I just told him that it belonged to a boyfriend that lived in Los Angeles. And because living in the city, he didn't need his truck anymore. Jeez. Yeah. Like you were saying before, she had such a way with words and she thought very quickly on her feet uh, that most of the time she was playing chess while people were playing checkers with her. And she looks like a sweet old lady. So you're going to be like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here, you. So on January 1st, 1986... A fisherman spotted the box sitting three feet from the bank on the river and decided that's unusual and called the police. Yeah, you know, you don't just see a a A vaguely casket-shaped box laying on the side of the river all the time, you know? Well, Well, yeah. I mean, if this was, say, New York or New Jersey... Um, <laughs> if I saw hey, a random wooden box, I would, I would call the police. During and like, the, you know, the high time of the mob. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe. The mafia doesn't exist. They've never killed anybody. Wink, wink. Shut the fuck up. I'm, blend- <laughs> I'm going to start blending into a cedar wall, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, yeah. January 1st, 1986, a fisherman spotted this random box sitting on the riverbank and decided to call the police. Vestigers came, showed up, popped the top off, and Pop what they found? A badly decomposed, unidentified body of an elderly man. Is it safe to say they cracked open a cold one? Uh, Ayo! Sorry. <laughs> Bruh. Not cool. <laughs> I don't think he was cold. I think he was stinky. Well, it was January, so... Oh, well, okay. Body yeah. dumped at, like, in November of 85, found in January of Yikes. 86. Yeah, that's, uh... It might be. I don't know. I don't know how cold it gets in Sacramento. It yeah, I'm not sure. Either way. stinky. So, yeah, it was... this. The crazy thing about this is during this time, Puente still continued to collect Gilman's, or Gilmouth's pension... And continually wrote letters to his family, <laughs> explaining the reason why he had not been in phone contact with him is that he was really feeling ill. He, f- he forgot his charger when he moved, so he didn't have any way to charge his phone. Right? He's out of minutes. So the sad thing about this entire part right here is the body went unidentified for over three years. Oh, my God. So. Wow. Three years later, they finally identified that it was Gilmouth's body. Yeah, but that, that was like back in the 80s. They didn't have the same kind of forensics that we do. Yeah. They were going completely on like uh, dental records and stuff like that. So if he was that badly decomposed and all you have is dental records, it can be a little tricky to exactly to find your boy. And especially mm. as his family was constantly getting contacted, as they thought, from him via letter and, you know. They never knew anything else was going wrong. Everything's going all right here. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about us. 
So during this whole... He's totally not dead. We're okay. Yeah. We're still <laughs> getting married at some point when yes. he's better. So during this time, she still maintained the room and board business, taking in 40 new tenants. Damn. She, yeah. She's still continued to accept the elderly and became popular with the local social workers because she decided she was going to keep taking on the tough cases. These cases included drug addicts and abusive tenants. Well, I mean, you can get as abusive as you want. This lady's going to you know, throw your ass in the creek. Yeah. So go ahead. Make her day. <laughs> yeah, which is sad because actually the ones I found were not the bad ones. Dude, the, she's like just from like the picture that I've seen of her because I looked her up a little bit ago. She looks like she would have been an extra like playing bridge on Golden Girls or something. She looks like somebody will be playing bingo every Wednesday yeah. night. Thank you like, for being a friend. Dun, dun, dun. Nerd. Shut up. I'm gonna send Jenkins to hit you, again. dude. <laughs> I need a Jenkins to come slap him, dude. I'm totally playing that at Drink. the end of this episode. You're a pal in a confidant. So, <laughs> while she, if she, <laughs> I'm sorry, if Dorothea threw you a party. chuckle fuckery episode, here we come. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Betty White. Every so often, Betty I get White. the thing Betty so. White back in the day, man. She was a banging baby, right? Ooh, she was hot. She was hot, dude. Fantastic. Back in the day, oh. still to this day, well. Mm. Anyway, so the ten, the forty tenants that she had, she would start collecting their monthly mail before they even saw it, and she would use their stipends. So anytime a stipend would come in, she would automatically take it, and she would sign for it. And I kid you not, then she would take the excess from it and pocket the rest of it for her quote unquote expenses. <laughs> So she took the money that she would get paid for to take these people, and if there was anything extra, she had to take it for her expenses. So she's technically getting paid twice. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. This so, old bird is like something else, man. Whew. Yeah, man. It, it's a she is a very interesting human being, and it was one of those things. Like I said, I had to keep going for more. So during this period, parole agents went and visited Puente and had ordered her to stay away from the elderly and refrain from handling any and all forms of government checks. A minimum of 15 times they were at the residence. Seriously? Yeah, they visited the residence 15 times to tell her this. Strangely, no violations were issued, no arrests, no investigation, no nothing. My God. And this is, nothing's been noted. Now, her neighbors started getting suspicious when uh, they started noticing odd activities happening happening around the property. Mm. A homeless alcoholic known only as Chief, whom Puente... Oh, God. <laughs> whom Puente stated that, he, that she had adopted him and made him her personal handyman. Aww. Right? Now, she stated that she had Chief dig in the basement and cart soil and rubbish away in wheelbarrows. At this time, it even became even more interesting because the basement floor was actually a covered concrete slab. So she had him break it, take it apart, pull things out, and then (laughs) during the investigation, it was back to being a concrete slab again. Yep. 
Later, she took, uh, later, Chief took down a garage in the backyard and installed another concrete slab. Soon after, Chief just randomly disappeared, never to be seen from again. Spoiler alert, he's probably under one of those concrete slabs. If not <laughs> under one, he may be somewhere else on that property. Yeah. Remember, six unconfirmed deaths. Like she was getting charged, like they felt that she was a part of. Ooh. Wow. Uh, so this is where things start to come ahead for Dorothea. On November 11th, 1988, police started investigating the disappearance of attendant Alberto Bert Montoya, uh, a developmentally disabled man with schizophrenia who was reported missing when he didn't show up for his meetings and work by a social worker. So when they went to go visit, Dorothea told him, oh, he just went on vacation. <laughs> he didn't pack anything. No, he just left. Yeah. His room was completely empty, like was had all of his stuff, never told a social worker who he was in constant contact with. Like she was very, she knew the social worker because she, he would always be there. Now, did she know he was a schizophrenic? I could not find that, but I assume so because she seemed to have her hand in everybody's mail and have like know everybody's backstory. Because remember, she would take the quote unquote tough cases right. and became, you know, friends with a lot of the local social workers that were it was hard for them to maintain and take care of these people. Because what I'm thinking is if she knew he was a schizophrenic, that's back before they really knew a lot about the disease where you were just you were Finger quotes, a crazy. Yeah. And she'd be like, oh, no, he just left. He's, you know, you know him. He's fucking nuts. He just took off. Well, that's probably what. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's funny. It's like, oh, he was just leaving. He went for a walk or he decided to take a trip to. And he hasn't been back yet. I I don't know what happened. It's crazy. She was a great actress. Now, during the, the. Now, during the initial investigation, Puente was not immediate suspect. So she was allowed to leave the property, go do her normal day-to-day stuff. Jesus. While they were investigating the surrounding properties, so the area around her house, they started seeing some disturbed soil. So, you ready for this? (laughs) Now, this is where it gets kind of crazy. During one of the times they were investigating that area, she told the officer, she's like, oh, I'm going to leave and go get a cup of coffee. Do you want anything? Cops like, no, go have fun. Say no, motherfucker. Say no. Well, during this time when they're investigating, she would start going to the hotel and grabbing coffee every time. Every time. Whenever they get there, the first thing she do, she'll go get a cup of coffee. When they, like I said, when they're investigating this one spot, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I'll be back. They're like, yep. Okay. We'll see you in a minute. However, instead of buying the cup of coffee, zero hesitation, fled right to Los Angeles. No shit. Yep. Didn't even hesitate. She literally took what she could, took her purse, gone. Skipped town. <laughs> you now, were gone for a long time. Yeah, I went to L.A. Did they get the good coffee there? <laughs> yeah, right. Now, dude, if you're that close, go to, go to well, you can't go to Utah anymore because they moved. I didn't say Black Rifle, but they're in Texas now. Mm. That's a long way for coffee. Dude, a long way to, I don't care. If you live yeah. in Sacramento, go to L.A., that's a long way to go get coffee, too. That's true. Fair enough. So, when you guys, if you guys were on the run... What's the first thing you would do? Hmm. Ditch my vehicle. Okay, so that that's a good one. What would you, Kevin? What would you like to do? Uh, make sure I have cash and not a card. Okay. Because that's traceable. Exactly. Now, would you want to be in a heavily populated area? Keep it quiet. Keep it down low. Stay in a hotel room. 
Like, would you keep it kind of under wraps and try to not be in the limelight? Well, this time, I mean, I, you probably want to be in a highly dense area because more people, you would know, you, because you, you're not, you know, you, yeah, you blend in more. Exactly. Especially you know. being an unassuming little old lady. Now. But that's the thing about being a little old lady. You could go to a, a very lowly populated area and still blend in because you're a little old lady. Exactly. True. Nobody's true. suspicious of the little old lady. Exactly. Very, very so true. she literally had a way to blend in. Right. It's like being perfectly average looking. You can kind of blend in wherever. Now, with that being said, would you go out at night? Like, say, I don't know, go to the bars? Hell yeah. Uh, probably not. I'd hit those bitches up. I mean, no. And it was like, if you said so, <laughs> you would end up just like her. She automatically went right back to her old ways. Tried to, She found an elderly gentleman, tried to befriend him. Jesus. And this gentleman was like, huh, where have I seen this woman before? Uh-oh. I'm wise to your tricks, bitch. <laughs> Dude, he recognized her, walked over to the payphone, called the police. That fast. Damn. Yeah. So she thought she was going to be able to play the Black Widow game again. And he's like, no, I knew I recognized your face somewhere. I knew your ass. So while she was at the bar, cops came in, arrested her, and transferred her back to Sacramento. She's kind of like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I know there's a reward. Where's my money? Yeah. Here's a shot, Jenkins. Oh, drink. Damn. She could have just gone down to like the Seven Eleven and got a fucking like get case, a twelve pack, got a case of Schlitz and just like partied at the hotel room and you know watched Antiques Roadshow or something. But no, no, she's a cocky old bitch. <laughs> well, you know, old well, habits die hard. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she may not have killed him, but she definitely would have played the same oh, games because she got used to that pension I money. I think she would have. She would have probably killed him from what you're saying. I mean, it's it just sounds like she was a. Uh, yeah, she did grow up in the orphanage. She she grew up with a hard life, but she also had street cred as far as like she was street smart. Yeah, she was out on the street. She had to exactly. fend for herself. This so, lady was no like little old assuming like no. unassuming lady. She's she fucking knew. Gangster. She was hard nosed. <laughs> Like, from a very early age, all the things she's been through and things that were not documented that I could not find and I tried, I know this woman's been through a lot more. And when you grow up that early, that fast, you do whatever it takes to survive. Fuck, I bet you Richard Ramirez was like, fuck that bitch. I'm staying away from her. You know, you know who this kind Probably of... Probably re- was like, that's my grandma. <laughs> you know who this kind of, well, he was from Texas, but that's okay. Who this kind of reminds me of, like, the weird... One of her kids like, was given up for adoption. That's Duh. true. Actually, two of them. But that weird, like hard awful childhood Mm -hmm. is charles manson because he he grew up in an orphanage and then going to like kitty prison and getting nasty shit done to him in in kid jail well and And then look how he turned out well and here's the thing that gets me is there's two sides to this coin there's the one person that you know has this terrible life and they just keep the cycle going Mm -hmm. and then there's the other people that are like okay i grew up from this terrible life i am not going to deal with this again. Exactly. I'm not going to let anybody deal with this. And they become a very positive reinforcement like yep. person. She, you know, poo pooed that away. So, so here's where we get back to the story and back to the interesting nature of what's going on. Sergeant John Cabrera, the lead detective on the case led his team to investigating the entire property. He stated that he and his team started unearthing what they believed to be a cloth and leather-like material. 
had no idea what it was. Hmm. So they had it sent to the pathologist and the results came back. It was human flesh. Ew. Yeah. Oh, I I thought clothes at first is like, oh, that's that's fucked. Yeah, that's it's messed up when you thought that was messed up. It gets even worse. The point at which he knew they officially found human remains when he unearthed a femur. He was quoted in saying he thought it was a tree branch and he grabbed a hold of it and started trying to ripping it out of the ground and it wasn't going anywhere and looked down and officially popped the femur out. Each following day, they continually finding more body parts and more bodies. Wow. Yeah. Sadly, they soon uncovered another body of a tenant, Leona Carpenter. So this is the part where it actually hooked me when I was watching the show. He stated that one of the victims they found had her head, hands, and feet missing. That's some mafia shit. Yeah. The, so when they during this whole investigation, they decided they were going to interview the neighbors. And one neighbor stated, yeah, I loaned her a circular saw and never got it back. So, you know, I didn't think I thought maybe she was still using it. The wounds on that body match a circular saw. You don't say. Hmm. Yeah. What a coincidence. The sad part about all this stuff is those body parts are still missing. They have not been able to find them on property. They have no idea where they are. They've been searching, and there's have yet to find them. She probably <laughs> sold them. I don't know about that, but yeah. Whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! You said she was making people dinner and stuff, right? We're not going down that road. Please don't do that to me, because I'm gonna have to. I'll go back down this black hole again. I don't want to. Oh man. So here's where things again get a little more interesting. While investigating the house, Sergeant Cabrera found a room that he feels was the preparation room the reason why he feels that is that while investigating the house he saw stains on the carpet and had a weird smell of old blood so he folded back the carpet and found putrid decaying stains of blood flesh and other viscera awesome yep and it's a hardwood floor too still to this day those stains are on that floor why wouldn't you pull them up redo it uh that's nasty i i could chief went missing and you couldn't have the other gentleman do it because no what i'm saying is if you bought that house afterwards redo the floor well they believe that what happened was is that it was originally hardwood during this time she had carpet laid down and because the wood absorbed it and over a certain amount of time because if he was able to fold back the carpet easily i guarantee she rolled it up processed the bodies Got done. Put the carpet back did over. Did a quick clean. Okay. Throw it back over because there's no carpet pad. It was just loose carpet. Okay. Like, almost like a rug. Hmm. And then he felt due to the state of decay and how everything, the blood stains were, that some of these bodies may have been there for at least a couple weeks before, oh. while she was preparing them. And no, nobody in the house ever reported weird smells or anything like that? Nope. Uh, who would they report it to? Exactly. That's uh, a good well, point. Again, yeah. Like she would take the ones mentally ill, had problems. She was known to be drugging her tenants. Jesus keep them in man. a catatonic state. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty dark. Now, we're not done yet. There's still one last little piece of this puzzle. Ugh. And I wish I didn't have to know this. Due to the positioning of some of the bodies that they unearthed, they believe that they may not have been dead. She, 
potentially burying people before, like a lot, alive. like still semi alive. Like yeah, in a catatonic state that she may have felt they were dead, or they just, Oof. or she just threw them in there thinking, oh, they'll be dead soon enough. Yeah, holy shit! That because of the way the bodies were, there's a couple bodies the way they were positioned. He's like, there's no doubt in my mind that they may have been alive. Oh, oh, wow. Now, the thing about it, like I said before, (laughs) if you do not believe me, look this woman up. Look up Dorothea Puente. She is a small, elderly woman. She had to have had a cart. Had to have had a cart, had to have help, either by chief or whoever. Does not not equate how this woman at this age, because we all know an average-sized human being, when they just go dead weight, if you play the dead weight game, there's no way you can easily maneuver people. I have a two-year-old. When she goes dead weight, she is harder than hell to move around. Like to pick yeah. her up and to put her in her crib or whatever. I want to know how this woman did it. This is the reason why I got hooked on this case. And I want to know more because I don't understand how this woman was able to do this. And she wasn't big. She wasn't very big. She couldn't have been much more than five foot tall. Yeah. And she, at this point in time, she was what, in her 60s almost? Yep. And couldn't be more than maybe 120 if she was yeah, lucky. Yeah, no, yeah. So with all this going on, they eventually found seven bodies on her property. You know, it, wow. can, I, can I jump back real quick? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost makes me wonder because you said that a lot of the people that she was taking care of were, uh, you know, they were mentally ill. They mm-hmm. were almost makes me wonder if she was talking these people into like, hey, will you help me move him? He fell asleep. We're, you know, he's he's we're going to let him lay out on the lawn. I honestly I don't know if it'd be out in the lawn, but definitely in her prep room. Yeah, I honestly like I really do, because like we talked about before and Kevin, you hit it best. That she had a silver tongue about her. That I guarantee she knew how to play the word game and get somebody like, oh, because there would always be alcohol. And you know what happens if you're on prescription medication and you put alcohol? Yeah. Crazy things happen. You get a little droopy droopy. You're going to sleepy sleepy. Yeah. Sometimes longer so it's than like, most. Hey, hey, why don't you help me? Out? John fell asleep. Why don't you help me move him in here? And then from there, if she's if she's hacking these bodies up, I mean, you can... You don't have to be strong to be able to pick up a human arm or a leg or something and throw well, it in a, a bucket and carry it out. Yeah, and if you're running a circular saw, you're like, oh, remember how I was having, you know, Chief or the other gentleman just doing wood paneling? I'm just, you know, they're doing more work around the house. Right. Just, I want to upkeep the house for you guys. So she's got a cover story as to why you're hearing yeah. the saw going all the time. So, <laughs> as I stated before, it is believed that her her real method of killing was a combination of drugs and high doses, at high doses and alcohol. To either subdue her tenants or to kill the victims. Right. So, and how she got a hold of the drugs was either they already had the drugs with them or she would talk to their doctors, the the clients or the tenants' doctors, and be like, oh, they ran out or they threw them away. Can I get more? You know, to I'm now going to take over making sure they get their medication. And the doctors were like, oh, yeah, thank you very much. You're an amazing human being. Here, let me prescribe you this. And now she would have more and if keep getting more and more. That might not have even been hard for her because technically if she is their... She's technically their guardian. Their caretaker. Exactly. Yeah. So she can go, oh, hey, uh, you know, so-and-so ran out of uh, out of their, their pain meds. Can you can I uh, swing by and grab some more for them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll have them ready for you. And this was during the time where you could go get it for me. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, I'm a friend. He's in the car. Or, there weren't childproof bottles back then. You know? <laughs> well, not even that. They're, exactly. The, yeah. the rules and the laws for prescription medication wasn't where it's at now yeah so now we're moving into the trial the trial began in october of 1992 
and only ended a year later. Wow. That's quick. 63 at the time. She was being charged with nine murders. The death of Ruth Monroe, 61, the original overdose. Everson Gilmouth, 77, the gentleman found in the pine box by the river. Alvaro. I'm sorry. You said it was a year later that the trial ended? Yeah, it only lasted a year. They moved quick. That's a long fucking time. No, for a, for a murder trial, that's like bang done. They, uh, a OJ Simpson trial was not a year, but she wasn't OJ Simpson. This wasn't publicized as high as that was. Look, look like at, for me, I thought it was like pretty quick that it was only a year because there was no playing the games. It was literally started and then done. Maybe. Yeah, a, a year for a, a a multiple murder case. That's that's. Real quick. All right. So she was being charged with nine murders. Ruth Monroe, 61, the original overdose. Everson Gilmouth, the 77-year-old gentleman found in the pine box by the river. Alvaro Bert Montoya, whose disappearance started the entire investigation. Dorothy Miller, 64. Benjamin Fink, 55. Betty Palmer, 78. The one who is missing the hands, feet, and head Leona Carpenter another one of the bodies they found during the initial investigation James Gallup and Vera Faye Martin the prosecutor in charge of this case was John O'Mara and was the homicide supervisor in Sacramento County District Court Office now O'Mara called in over 130 witnesses wow and argued that to the jury that she had used pills to put her tenants to sleep, suffocated them, and then would hire random convicts or distasteful people, anybody that she could lure with money, drugs, alcohol, any way she could, again, get these distasteful people to help her out. Right. And they're not going to say anything because she's like, all right, well, here's $5,000 to keep your mouth shut. Now, would the uh, the, the guy or that helped 5, her... 000, but- the guy that helped her drop the first box would he be considered one of those distasteful distasteful people or is no he, just he was like just a, he was a regular guy that was just a handyman wrong doing place work. wrong time kind of guy yeah and he had no idea because she paid him an extra eight hundred bucks to build a box mm-hmm. ship the box and then paid him a truck because she's like oh I don't need a truck I have a car what am I gonna do a truck with yeah. and my boyfriend in L A doesn't need it because think about it. Oh, it's city life. You you don't need your own transportation. It's just bumper-to-bumper traffic. Right. So she spun it so much to get him, you know, not to ask questions. Yeah. She had an answer for everything. So there's that. And then he also believed that her motives for killing the tenants were strictly for financial purposes. It was estimated that her income using their stipends and pensions was at least $5,000 a month. Holy crap. And this is, you know, Back during in, the early 90s where 5000 was a good chunk of change. I mean, Even five, still this I day. I say 5000 bucks now is still pretty good. And with, during the prosecution, Omar mainly was highlighting her prior convictions as a base for when it came down to the penalties because she was a habitual offender. She had the escalation, as you know, most serial killers and mm-hmm. most people do. Gave herself the little allowances that would build up to going, okay, yep. well, now I can kill somebody. Keep taking over more and more and yep. keep taking more liberties, and then here we go. Now, the defense, however, 
decided to call in only as several witnesses that showed Puente as a generous and caring woman that she had. She could never do this. This is where it kind of gets interesting. One of the witnesses they called in was her long lost daughter. Really? They actually found one of her daughters, called her in and had her testify on how wow. Puente had helped them in their youth. I, the daughter helped they helped the daughter in the youth and guided them to successful careers. But ha- so apparently Puente may have been in contact with a long lost daughter. Okay. Help them out by maybe giving them money and then helping them guide them to successful careers. I cannot find this daughter's name. I cannot find any information about her. I don't even know if it was a real person or if it was some shenanigans pulled. This this seems like it's a little shady to me. I don't think I would. I don't think I believe that they actually. You know, and besides, who if you were given up for adoption and you were brought in to uh, testify against your parent, would you? Would you just go? Uh, no. They didn't want me, so here I am, and I'm not going to say anything in their favor. Yeah, I want to switch sides. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know who the bitch is. I don't know. I don't know yeah. her. Yeah. I don't know anything about her. I haven't seen her since you know her. I was born. Yeah, she, much. She, she's probably an asshole. <laughs> so they brought in also met the mental health experts, either the ones the same ones that she worked with and other ones, and those experts also testified saying that due to Puente's abusive upbringing. It was used to help motivate her to help the less fortunate. Okay, I can see that. However, they then contradicted themselves and agreed that she had a quote-unquote evil side that was brought on by the stress of caring for her down-and-out tenants. Almost caring too much. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of gross. That's kind of like an icky thing, you know, that I don't like that. So I I highlighted one of the quotes from the court proceedings from Omara that I actually thought was pretty interesting. And it was actually his closing argument. And it focuses on Puente's act of murder. Quote, does anyone become responsible for their conduct in this world? These people were human beings. They had right to live. They They didn't have a lot of possessions. They had no house, no car. Only their social security checks and their lives. She took it all. Death is the only appropriate penalty for this woman. End quote. Oh, dude, if I was in the jury, I just I would have jumped up and been like, string her up. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm on your side, brother. That was awesome. <laughs> well said. But you can't do that, though. No, yeah, they deliberate. To... They deliberate. Wow. Deliberated. Is that a word? Yep. That's that's actually they, the word. That yeah. You're look for. at me. Multi-syllable yeah. word. That should be a clicker game. <laughs> Drink. So the, the jury deliberated for over a month and found Puente guilty of only three murders. Seven convictions, only three. <laughs> the jury was deadlocked 11 to 1 for the conviction of all counts. The lone holdout finally agreed to the conviction of two first-degree murder counts, including special circumstances, and one second-degree murder count. I couldn't find which the who those were for, those three counts were for, who they believed. But my assumption is that they're probably still leaving uh, the woman who they, quote-unquote, committed suicide alone. Yeah. Probably Gilmouth. 
probably the one with the circular saw because there's really no way to let that one go. And one of the other, probably uh, Montoya. The thing that... Bert. The worst part of this, like, and this... I mean, the whole thing's terrible, but, like, the worst part here... Those should have all been first-degree murder because it was planned and premeditated. Mm-hmm. And the other, the the families of the other victims that are no longer that just are thrown away get no justice at all for it. Yeah, exactly. That's and disgusting. she was still stealing their pensions and their stipends That's and stealing disgusting. their money. So with her being convicted for only the three murder murders, the jury could not agree on on the other six. So, several days of deliberations, the jury was deadlocked again, seven to five for life. And I found a quote from one of the jurors saying, quote, executing Puente would be like executing mine or your grandma, end quote. Is your grandmother a sadistic, evil, murdering monster? I don't think so. No, no. Screw this lady. So, the judge, Michael J., Berga declared it a mistrial when the jury said further deliberations would not change their minds. However, under the law, Puente received life without the possibility of parole, and she was then incarcerated at Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California. So, no joke, for the rest of her life, she still maintained her innocence that she was being wrongfully persecuted. And stating that all of her tenants died of natural causes. Yeah, and that one guy that fell through a fucking circular saw, you know. Lady. Yeah, sorry. I, I, the, but and it's like they were brought up that it was like, well, if they died of natural causes, why did you bury them? Yeah. And, but she never had answers. She's like, no, they died of natural causes. Because even if that was the case where they did all die of natural causes and she was just burying them, she could still be arrested for failure to report a death. Mm-hmm. So on March 27th, while in prison in Chowchilla at the age of 82, Dorothea Puente passed away due to natural causes. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> now, this is what I find amazing is that there are multiple cases of this woman actually being interviewed and being featured in media. For instance, she was featured in numerous true crime television shows, including Crime Stories, Deadly Women, and A Stranger in My House. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to go on YouTube and see if I can find any clips for that to put in the show notes, because that could be fascinating. Like, Yeah. Um, 1980, uh, 1998, she began corresponding with a Shane Bugby. An underground filmmaker, artist, extraordinaire, little bit of this, little bit of that, little bit of everything, apparently. Lives in his mom's basement. Probably. <laughs> uh, started a little project known as Cooking with a Serial Killer in 2004. I'd watch that show. I'd, yeah. Not going to lie. It included multiple interviews, her sharing almost 50 recipes, and various pieces of prison art that she sent to him. So it was like a little underground documentary for it i kind of want to find it because i'm curious to see how as she got older if she you know anything changed or if she just stuck with her guns of i didn't do nothing i bet she did oh more than likely stubborn old bird what was it called it is called cooking with a serial killer 
I'd by watch that Shane show. Bugby. I'd watch that show except for the Jeffrey Dahmer episode because I don't want those recipes. All right. Dude, I bet John Wayne Gacy though. I bet he's out there just fucking flipping burgers and cooking brats and stuff. Probably probably pretty uh, pretty handy on the grill. Ew. You know. So then also Jody Picoult, an American writer, mentions Puente's crimes and cookbook in her own novel, House of Rules. <laughs> Don't violate the rules, otherwise you'll wake up in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. And then again, the house was included in 2013 home tour held by Sacramento Old County Association. Now that's kind of interesting because the actual tour, they have a sign that says uh, trespassers will be drugged and buried, which is a reference (laughs) to that. They have a mannequin sitting out front of the door looking dressed in the same kind of clothes as Dorothea Puente. And they also have like a at this time a weird dog mannequin thing like it's a mannequin wearing a dog costume i don't understand the point of that one but the home is pretty much left exactly how it was just with only a few subtle changes like they renovated a few things and changed a few things so it's like a murder house tour essentially hmm. and then the subject of it was a subject of a 2015 documentary short house is innocent and was again open for tours for one day conjuring local film festivals showing the film. Now, since I found the inspiration from this show from watching Ghost Adventures, I decided that I have to watch the show and then do some more research on it. We can talk about that or we can continue talking about her. I think you got to go into the Ghost Adventures part I kind of do yeah. because that's where, like I said, it. this is what hooked me. So, on a 2017 episode of Ghost Adventures, the the GAC crew, it's a Ghost Adventures crew, bruh, I see you looking at me, investigated the Puente boarding home. They were investigating the home because there has been multiple reports of hauntings, sighting of both her and her victims, and the smell of putrid blood. The current tenant uh, of the home has admitted that she has seen Dorothea multiple times while she was been in her bedroom, like sleeping in her bed, Dorothea would walk up in a yellow dress, stare at her, smile, but with dead eyes. Not like black eyes, but I mean like no emotion. She's just smiling there like, how you doing? Like when you uh, see somebody you don't want to talk to. Nope. And she just stayed there. Now, if you watch this episode, you also see the interview with the lead detective and all this other stuff. And But this woman... Who I didn't name just because I didn't. You have to watch the episode if you want it. Yeah. It's on Hulu. Um, She states that seeing her smile with no emotion, blank eyes, and every once in a while, certain parts of the house, she would get that, that faint smell to a very potent smell of old blood in certain parts of the house. And strangely enough, those scents come from where they feel that those uh, tenants were once living. Oh, so you're getting like residual smells from the... Oh. Yeah. So during the episode, the the crew stated that they felt an ex- and experienced a multitude of different experiences, such as dizziness, feeling drained and lethargic, disembodied voice, voices, and feeling a sense of unease to the point of where multiple times they had to either leave the house... 
and feeling sense of sadness and anger. Hmm. I, I could see the I could see the definitely the smell thing because of it, the wood. Yeah, the, the well that was part of the investigation part of it when they do the prep. They're like, well, yeah, this is a natural absorption. It probably had that stank, and she's like, no, I'll be on the other side of the house and I'll smell blood. And yes. I don't, yeah, and it's all the original floors. Hmm. So, to raise the game a little bit, they had uh, invited, quote unquote, the world's best psychic mediums. And while they were there, the husband who is a psychic medium, he will literally tap into the location, get every feeling. And his wife is an artist. She will draw what she feels and what her husband describes. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it, it's mm. it's a very interesting thing. I think I know the that's that's a, the that's, husband and wife. Yeah, they've been in multiple episodes. They also go around and they will meet with people and draw, you know, their they, loved ones. They've been on um, what's his name? Yep, show? I know who you're talking about, and I can't remember their names. They are at, they were going to be at the. Uh, I was going to write it down, and I kind of forgot. They were so. going to be at the Cryptid Con thing in Kentucky. So here's yep. what gets kind of funny is during the whole experience of the medium doing his thing he started coughing and having trouble like breathing yeah at the same time zach was going through the same thing and they're like you okay and he's like i feel like i'm being choked i don't feel good i I feel like drawn down yeah and they made the connection of like probably he's connecting to one of the victims and the the wife without zero hesitation drew the wife and they're like they went over to the woman that lives in the house i was like is this what you saw and she's like absolutely so with all that the house can still be visited because it stands there today at 2100 f street in sacramento california and ladies and gentlemen that's dorothy apuente the landlady from hell you know i'm kind of surprised they didn't you're welcome dude you kick that (laughs) you fucking kick that thing's ass like i said i i wanted to bring some my things and i've been trying to pick out like a lot of the different ideas i could kick around and when you have something that literally slaps you in the face so hard that you literally stop what you're doing you literally put down your tools because you're working on nerd shit and you watch the episode twice in a row and then automatically when i was doing this at the laptop which i was typing on i had my phone that was looking up random stuff from like Murder.org and Sacramento newspapers and all this other stuff. And then my tablet, which normally is here, I had the episode playing again. I've watched that episode four times picking up in the little subtleties. All I can say is I still to this day will not let it go that I want to know more of how this woman was able to. I understand how she drugged him. understand how she did that. How she probably got him into the room. How did she get him buried? I mean, if she's taking him out. Like, like no one That's, else other than her. If she was taking she, them out in pieces. No, but there, there was only one body that was dismembered. Oh. All the rest of them were whole. They were solid. I almost wonder if the one that went out in pieces was the final body. Because no, she didn't have I, help at that point. The way I read them was the way. Okay. The order that I read through them was the order of them, their disappearances. Hmm. Well, they, uh, they probably could done, like. Carbon um, dating or yeah, something like that. Something like that. They could identify. Like okay, this this much decay versus you know this much. I mean, yeah, it's, that's it's fascinating. Wasn't wasn't there like a? Because uh, I remember I watched the show too. Didn't they think they they like people thought they were 
someone in the front yard yeah. or something. They uh, one of the gentlemen were out front with an Oculus spirit box, who the spirits can use to, uh, um, who they can use the energy of the device to come through, and they were like, "How many bodies or whatever?" And it said fifteen. Yeah, and it was literally again. It could be for the show, but whatever. But I believe in this, so hey. fuck off. But uh, <laughs> there was a lot of things going on, and there they said there were still there still could be bodies there. They just went only to a certain level, and also she has been known to drop bodies off other places. Right. And chief went missing. Well, like, did did they check on no? You may have said it when I on just so much all the information. On yeah, dude, I, like, I went I went full information overload on this. Did, I dropped a verbal nuke on you guys. Did they did they check beneath her f- floor in her basement? They checked her floor in the basement, the garage pad, her front yard, the backyard. The only places they didn't check were directly underneath the house of the porch, and like she owned another property off. Like I think it was one night or uh, nineteen hundred yeah. F Street, and I don't know how much because they never specified how thorough they check there, but it's pretty much as if it's connected right by it splits the yard, and she ran a boarding house out of that, ran some apartments out of there, and they never specified if they did anything else investigative there, but it's it's kind of like I said, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it it, it, yeah. it blows my freaking mind up because I'm I'm thinking okay, well. Probably the first couple. Yeah. Chief helped out. Oh, absolutely. I believe Chief helped out a lot more because but then, the timeline doesn't state when Chief showed up to when bodies were missing to when Chief left because Chief randomly disappeared. He randomly he randomly showed up, randomly disappeared. And she was so good at playing each person's role or playing the role of each person with her family. No one knew anything until she picked Bert Montoya. Like, it's... It, if she didn't pick the one guy that had constant contact with his social worker and had annual meetings to meet with other like schizophrenics or other people of mental disability, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she, who knows how much longer she could have went going. True, because I mean, she, uh, yeah, because all I'm thinking the whole time you're, you're you're talking about this is okay. He helped out for a little bit, then he was getting. I don't know, probably a little bit um, skeptical or or antsy about it, and she fucking took a took something, shovel, bat. She probably drugged oh, him, whatever. Knocked him in the freaking head because he was in, you know, digging a hole. Yeah, knocked he, him in the head because you know, I mean, you don't have to be well, too he, strong to. And he was an alcoholic, and she had access to drugs and alcohol yeah. in that house, like, and not alcoholic. like. He could be drunk. She, she probably doped him, yeah. and like, yeah, and like you're saying, if he, she was in the, if he was in the basement or one of the other pads, you can easily just recover that up and just cover the body up. It, it's it's fascinating that because he randomly disappeared and no one knows his name, so that means potentially there are multiple other bodies there that no one yeah. even knows they're missing. And but no one missed, and no one missed him because well, he's a drunk, like he's a vagrant. vagrant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, excellent word. We doubled on that twice. But, yeah, so like I said, I wanted to give you guys something that literally would poke in your brain for a while and make you think about it. Because I, since the the Seth episode, I've been working on this, like, <laughs> off and on. 
And it literally was the most craziest thing that I was like, I'm going to surprise these guys. I'm going to randomly show up and be like, why do you have a computer? Oh, because I want to tap on things will make importance. Well, you, you texted me like earlier in the week and you're like, oh, hey, I, I've got an episode. I'm like, okay, what are we working on? And he goes, no, no, not you guys, me. Yeah. Okay. What I was surprised. Nothing. I was like, what? <laughs> well, it was one of those things. You guys do so much hard work and I saw it with the Israel keys <sighs> and I Fuck saw him. it with, the, yeah, <laughs> dude, totally. And the shoulder order tight. Oh god! Yeah, guys. that was that was Kevin's like the hell with them too. Yeah, like you guys were doing that went in these deep black holes to research this stuff, and I was like, you know what? All right, I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna jump in and see what happens. And you know, you kick around the usual ideas like, oh, I'm gonna be this person. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try it on this person. I'm gonna think Bonnie and Clyde would be a cool one. Yeah, and Frank Hammer. If you know who that guy is, bonus points. The guy that started the whole investigation. <gasps> He's actually the guy that uh, led to them the shootout. Oh, awesome! He led the shootout. He was a badass motherfucker. But no, so seriously, it was like one of those things. I was trying to come up with everything. I'm like, do I want to stick with true crime? Do I want to go more on the side of haunting? Like, I want to do a mix of both because they're both my like what I like, both mm. my passions in a sense. And literally this popped up and like I said, I stopped everything and this has been in my brain pan. I'm, I'm going to drop a Rickyism. You got two birds stoned at once. Yeah. yeah so, well, I mean, <laughs> it's we're, legal in Vermont, folks. We're definitely going to post because uh, I, I, I sent Kevin a picture yeah. of, uh, oh. of the house. The so house is we, on his dude, You look at it. It yeah, looks like a yeah. beautiful little like three-story house. Yeah, it just looks like a normal rooms. ass house. Exactly. And what you don't realize is that there's potentially 15 people that got killed up in that motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, low Crazy. end, I would say 15. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have to post Oof. up. We'll have to put a picture up of her. Yeah. You, well, you, so there's that. a picture of her where she is completely normal, like, quote, unquote, dolled up. And then there's her in her prison garb. And they look like two totally different people. And the thing is, when I was watching the court cases... She's sitting there like a little old grandma just sitting there like, oh, this is sweet. Look at these people. They're just so nice. Who are they talking about? Why am I here? I shouldn't be here. I should be home. I'm not going to lie to you. All dressed up. She looked like Sophia from uh, from Golden Girls. Right. She, yeah. Like I said, she, if she, and again, if she went to L.A. and did not try to start her like game plan up because she left with a good amount of money, she could have easily disappeared. Like you're oh, saying. Yeah. Dude, she would have vanished. Just whoop. Unassuming little old lady. You wouldn't think anything of it. But I think what, like, you kind of touched on a little bit is that she knew that the cash would run out. She needed to find a sugar daddy or somebody that could get her a good source of income. Yeah. And because her money will go dry quick. But. Dude, you. uh, 40K Jenkins food food. Drink, <laughs> you, drink, drink. Uh, you, you, you broke your foot off on this <laughs> thing's ass, man. Good job. Yeah. So. Most importantly, I would like to thank you guys for allowing me the opportunity to do this. Anytime. I would like to thank you, the fans, for listening to this and taking this fun little ride with me. If you actually, you know what I want to do? I'm going to put this out to our listeners. We get listeners that contact me. We get listeners that contact you. Where is a good place? They don't contact me. Well, to be fair, you are the Dark Windows pod. Like, Okay, fine. Email and whatever. (laughs) How can they get a hold of that email? How can they get a hold of us via the Facebooks? Okay, so so let, let's be real here for a second. If the way it works essentially is if 
you contact Dark Windows on Facebook, you're going to talk to me, Kevin Carlton. If you contact Dark Windows on Instagram, you're most likely going to get Kevin Hire. If you contact Broadstone Creations on Instagram, you're That's only going to get Seth because I don't want to go on his page. It's weird. Well, no. And I'll, <laughs> like I said, like I keep saying the previous weeks, I plug my personal page because I plug the hobby holder. Right. So I'm doing that because I want people to realize, okay, yes, this isn't a hobby-centric podcast, but I want you to see that I'm legit using this thing, and I'm also really that friggin' nerdy. Yeah, you're not talking about something that you don't actually use like a lot of people do. Yeah. It's like like when we talk about Studio Sweden, we are not just plugging this sponsor. We use them. I use my headphones every goddamn day. I go out and mow the lawn. I've got my headphones on. I'm researching and I'm, you know, I'm done in my basement researching. I've got my headphones on. Yeah. Awesome. You know? Oh yeah. And you can get 15% off those mothers. If you go to, uh, you can get 15% off of them. How do you spell? Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's mostly vowels, but with a B and L and a P. It's in like there you're speaking cursive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you go to studio.com, I don't know how you speak cursive. Hey, it's hey, all vowel sounds. Hey, do you know how, you know how to go to studio.com? Yeah. Yeah. And you put in dark windows at your promo code at checkout, 15% off. Booyah! Yeah. Because and I mean, we love you. And realistically, the most expensive pair of headphones on there are the uh, the completely wireless uh, Niva, the Bluetooth little earbuds, and those are like 110 bucks. So you take 15% off of that. I'm lazy. Boom, done. I, I want mine bad. I buy plastic miniatures. Then if you're into plastic miniatures like I am and painting your miniatures, Segway, look at that, boy. <laughs> you can head over to Game Envy Creations, and their site is gameenvy.net, or you can go on the Instagrams at Game Envy. I'm not going down that road. And <laughs> you go on there, and you're like, hey, man, I need a handle. I need a base to be able to paint this miniature and be able to get all that fine, beautiful little detail and get that high-quality paint on that miniature. I'm sick of using this stupid Citadel thing. Uh, I'm sick of using bottle caps. Yeah, I don't really like it. I want a a hobby holder. And same with you. I'm just too lazy to go buy one. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) The hobby holder is an amazing product because if you go on their site and you find the one you like because they come in a variety of colors, bases, which are pretty fucking awesome. If I didn't say it, I was going to (laughs) explode. Use the promo code Broadstone at checkout. That's B-R-O-A-D-S-T-O. Oh, and <laughs> at checkout, you save yourself $2 off each of the hobby holders. Not just for you, not just for you, but together. That's $4 off that entire order. That's pretty badass. It is amazing. And I'm also throwing this out there because if I can get up to a 500 followers on the Instagram, I'm plugging me for a second. Deal with it, boys. I'm going to do <sighs> a hobby holder giveaway. And if he hits 550, he's going to do a topless painting tutorial. I won't because no one wants to see them weird shit movies. Dude, no. Go show them off your sweet tats. Leave them alone, <laughs> bruh. But no, if I hit that 500, man, I'm doing a giveaway. I've talked to yeah. Game Envy Creations. I told them this is what I want to do. And they're like, absolutely. And I'm also going to get a special little base mod specifically built for me. What? Yeah, what do you see this thing? We've nice. been talking about it. It's going to be the Broadstone special. Nice. Are they going to sell that too, or is it just oh, custom yeah. for you? Okay. Yeah, it's. I'm going to be the tester of it, and I can give you a sweet taste, but I'm not going to. So you're going to be gonna, a guinea pig. Yeah, dude, I'm the best test subject ever. Big red guinea pig. But yeah, so like they were saying earlier, and I was saying, thank you guys. 
please reach out to us on the emails. If you want to reach out to me, that's fine. It's broadstone, earnest, spelt at once, underscore, creations, because I create magic. Yeah. Uh, shoot and, us an email. We're at uh, darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Um, we are also on Instagram, like we said before. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are the same. That's going to be darkwindowspod. What about that Facebook group you guys talk about? Matter I'm not fact, on it. If you but... go on Facebook and you go to your search thing. I don't. Okay, I don't have you Facebook. Hit, you tell hit me more. You hit the thing for the search thing, and you punch in Dark Windows Podcast. And yes. You hit enter. Yes. We're the only motherfucker that's going to show up under that. And you get to talk to these two beautiful, handsome that's guys. Right. And you can see the cool ass picture of uh, of the three of us all cartooned up. I like how I have that sweet, sweet eyebrow raise. Kevin of... look. Kevin looks vaguely menacing in it. I look like a like an unemployed wizard, and no. you look like a like a bad guy from The Punisher. I look like a goon. <laughs> <coughs> but with benefits. Yeah, you, you you definitely look like you work for the Kingpin or something. That's baller. Yeah. So on that note, rate, review, subscribe, tell friends, get yeah, them you, to subscribe. On any, anything that you listen to us on. Exactly. Because we're on almost everything. And if you were not, send us an email and tell us what we should get on. Also, I'm actually throwing this out there too. This, for me... Because I want to do another crazy episode, but I'm not going to pick something while watching a you know, crazy show. Email the show. Tell me what you want me to research. Not naughty stuff. Serious. True crime. Haunting. Crypto. Zoology. Not cryptic coins. I don't understand those things. But you email the show. And depending on what it is, I will do it. I will research it. And I will shout you out when I do it. I actually did get an email for you. Really? Yeah. It said, hey, uh, let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. Um, Stop blending into walls? Nope. No, it was better than that. Stop talking about Jenkins? Uh, Gmail. Hey, you giant red bitch. Research the golem like you said you were going to. Love Kevin and Kevin. <laughs> okay. Ha <laughs> <laughs> hmm. ha. I, I mean. Well. I mean, I done, that was a great email. I done sent an email myself, so you got to shout me out on the show. All right. So when I do it, I will gladly do it. Hold on. Let me start the research. Oh, I found something really fascinating. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, no, I'm serious. And you uh, said we didn't have fun here. That's dude, bullshit. We're fantastic. We we're fantastic people. Like, yeah. seriously, pass us on. Like don't a, pass on us pass us on yeah man but yeah email the show let me know what you want me to research and i guess you could do it for these fine young gentlemen as well i almost but. think because I, I i did have to set up a, a secondary show email for myself to set up skype i think we need to have you set one up and you set one up i'm not Jesus. doing it because secondary. because skype fucked me when i was trying to do the dark windows thing it Hard. asked for my age and i put the age in and then it said oh you need to have you need to have your parents permission i'm like <laughs> i'm like <laughs> like bitch i put in 1987 for the year and i'm like well, okay so i had to make another one to go on and do that with which is stupid so screw your face skype. yeah so anyway if you want to check us out go to go uh Go check us out on iTunes, uh, Podcast Addict, Podcast Addict, uh, Stitcher, Stitcher, yep. yeah. Google Play, Spotify, Spotify, uh, all that kind of stuff. You can check us out any, pretty much anywhere. Hey, oh, hey, you can also find us if you go on Skype and punch in KC Dark Windows. Yeah, I might, I might talk to you. No video though, because y'all, y'all don't need to see the inside of my house. But I'll sit and talk to you. Yeah, yeah. So. About weird shit. I'll talk to you. I'll do. I'll talk to you about food, pro wrestling, video games. 
touching butts, whatever. This is him whoring himself out. He's just going to edit this out later. He is. Maybe. So until uh, next time. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Kisses. We love you. Later, bitches. Goodbye. Kisses.